Hello there and welcome into this edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. John and Catherine Gordon begin the podcast this week. He is a motivational speaker. She is involved in a variety of business interests. Together, they have written a book that highlights the importance of being determined in the Lord to make a marriage work. Also from Fellowship Church in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's Sean Nepstad who offers strategy and encouragement for dealing with times of difficulties or dips in our lives. Plus, recently I offered some coverage of the Getty Music Sing Global 2020 Conference, and I had a chance to interface with Keith and Kristen Getty recently. At the virtual event, selections from Kristen's latest project were unveiled, and you'll be hearing some comments from her about the importance of music in the hearts and lives of children at night before they go to sleep. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from former law enforcement officer Adam Davis. He spoke with me recently. He is the co-author of a book that helps to equip Christians to engage in spiritual warfare as he emphasizes recognizing the spiritual battles we face and relying on God's resources. Then it's the return of Hormoz Shariat of Iran Alive Ministries to the podcast. He relates how God is at work in the nation of Iran, underscoring that a large number of Muslims are coming to Christ in that nation. Finally, you'll be hearing material from a conversation with Kasim Hafiz, featured in a new documentary film that offers a look at the rise in anti-Semitism. In addition to him, a Holocaust survivor is spotlighted in the film. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Motivational speaker John Gordon and his wife Catherine are the co-authors of the book Relationship Grit, a true story with lessons to stay together, grow together, and thrive together. Speaking from experience, they offer direction for couples based on a foundation of trust in God, which is the G in the acronym for GRIT. From a recent conversation, here are John and Catherine Gordon. Well, I was actually very miserable and negative in my mid-20s, about 30, 31 years old. Catherine and I were married. I was not a great husband. I was not a great father. I was really struggling with a lot of challenges. I did not have a lot of faith. I was not a person of faith at the time. And so she came up to me and she said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need to change. And I needed to change or else we weren't going to be married. So I really focused on becoming a more positive person. She agreed to stay. And I began this journey of, of working on myself. And I would start taking these walks of gratitude. And while I was walking, I would just say what I'm thankful for. And those walks turned into walks of prayer. And I started to pray to God. And then a friend of mine gave me some, some sermons from Erwin McManus about why mm-hmm. I followed Jesus. And I listened to those sermons and it really spoke to me. And Catherine will tell you that began the process of me changing and us and our marriage improving. And Catherine, your background, you are someone, you were involved in sales for a variety of companies. You were an aspiring actress and a model. You put that on hold to raise your kids. And then you have begun to uh, to develop in some some areas with respect to uh, speak helping John and also on your own. So tell us just a bit about your, your story. Yeah. You know, when John and I met, we were both professionals. So we were kind of young and movers and shakers in Atlanta. 
And as we got together and um, really knew we were going to spend our lives together that we wanted to, for us, there had to be a decision that I had to really kind of get behind him and support him. And one of the things I say in the book is I'm not saying that someone has to do that. But in our relationship at that time, I knew that's what I needed to do for us. And in, in doing that, you know, I was able to um, stay home and, and take care of the children and really be a support at home for John. Um, yeah, there's no way, right? I wouldn't be who I am today. I wouldn't have done this work. I wouldn't have written these books. I wouldn't have made a difference. I wouldn't have reached millions of people if it wasn't for Catherine and her support. And this is like her, her second act. <laughs> She's like coming out now, ready to, you know, really begin her, her new career as someone who is helping so many people and so many women in so many relationships because she's been coaching her friends for years, giving them advice on marriage, giving them advice on relationships. And we wrote this book because she saw so many women and so many men getting divorced in their relationships. And she's like, John, we, we have to do something to help them. If we stay together, because mm -hmm. we probably shouldn't have, if we stay mm -hmm. together, they could stay together. And so we knew what we did. We knew that we made God the center of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And that began our success in our relationship once we did that. Like before that, it wasn't good. But once we made God the center of our relationship, it really started to improve. And so grit, you know, stands for God. It stands for resolve, invest together. And that's how you create a great relationship. So I give Catherine all the credit <laughs> in the world. Seriously. I mean, an amazing, strong woman. And as you read the book, everyone says like, wow, John, you get knocked off your pedestal. You, you took yourself off of it because of what you wrote about yourself. And your wife is the rock star because people see the truth of, of how she led during the, our time of, of struggle and challenge, how, we, how she forgave, how she stayed with me, how she was so strong through all the turmoil and challenges. And so people see me now as a successful person, you know, with all these best-selling books, making a difference, but they don't know the journey of, of what it took for us to get to where we are now. And our relationship in the process was a huge part of that, the number one part of that. John and Catherine Gordon here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website, John, J-O-N, Gordon.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Sean Nepstad, pastor at Fellowship Church in Antioch, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. In our recent conversation, he provided encouragement related to his book, Don't Quit in the Dip, Stay Focused on God's Promises for You. Here now from that conversation is Sean Nepstad. Who do you know that's not in some type of dip? What I mean by that is I describe really, a, and I take you through a journey of what it's like to identify the dip that you're in. For some of you, you have thrown in or you're about to throw in the towel on your marriage. For others of you, it might be a battle with your health. Uh, might be trying to lose weight and that, that needle on the, on the scale is not moving. It could be depression. It could be worry, anxiety. A lot of people are trying to take their life. You know, they just are so fed up and they feel so hopeless. And so literally I wrote this book with tears streaming down my face because I knew that God had delivered me from a dip a huge dip. And, and honestly, it feels like we're in a seven layer dip, you know, mm. it feels like it's not just one, it's, it's multiple dips. And in that dip, many people give up. 
you know, success in, in a God dream uh, is if you could think of kind of on a mountain and then right below that is some type of dip right before you get there. And most people quit there. And successful people are not the ones who were exempt from a dip. They just didn't quit. It's not that they didn't go through anything, but it's in the valley that you learn the lessons God's trying to teach you. So through the book, I take you on a progression of, first of all, identifying the dip. Secondly, asking yourself, what can I learn in the dip? And then thirdly, it's, it's what do you need to leave behind in the dip? And then the last chapter, the last few chapters or sections, it really encourages you because your destiny is on the other side of your dip. Like you think about Joseph, all right, 13 years of a dip. He was sold by his brothers, human trafficked, thrown into prison for being falsely accused, forgotten, 13 long years of a dip. But every once in a while, tucked into the pages of this Old Testament story, you hear the words, and the Lord was with Joseph. <laughs> I say with a British accent, I think it sounds better. There, there you go. And the Lord like was that. with him. Like in every trial, in every pandemic, in every storm, you're not alone. And I'm so grateful Joseph didn't give up because, you know, God elevated him to become second in command of the most powerful nation of the world at that time, which was Egypt, and gave him a fresh strategy to save thousands of people's lives. Okay, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you don't quit in the dip. I'm praying that God gives you fresh strategy for this time. And he turned around, and you've heard of 2020 vision. You know, it, it was always funny to me because every pastor, it seemed in January, was saying, this is the year of 2020 vision, you know, kind of playing <laughs> on the year. Yeah. And then we got slapped in the face and knocked our glasses off. <clears throat> well, I just got glasses about two years ago. I'm 42, but when I was 21, I used to wear fake glasses just because I like to preach with them. You know, I like to hold them out and make a good old point. <laughs> But, but my, my doctor said, Sean, your prescription is going to change every couple of years. And you know what that's like. You have to get a new prescription and you have to adjust. And then you take the glasses off. You put one hand over the eye and you read the letters on the wall. He says, can you read this? And you, and you're struggling trying to read X, M, O, P. Mm -hmm. I feel like God is giving us a new prescription. And with, 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 with all that's in us, he's asking, can you read clearly like galatians 6 9 can you read clearly do not like he, he literally said don't grow weary in doing good i know you're tired listening to this i know i know you feel exhausted i know that you feel like you've exhausted every ounce of energy and time and you're like man you're kind of like the fisherman on the boat with jesus if there were any if there was an answer out here i would have found it by now but i'm letting you know some of all of God's finest people knew what it was like to go through a hardship and a trial and a dip. Don't quit there. He said, don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So, Bob, that really hmm. is the gist of the message of the book. I, I want to help people get out of the dip. I was in a dip with my health. Uh, lost I was down to 125 pounds with ulcerative colitis for for. 25 years of my life, my life was dominated by fear, anxiety, depression. And I didn't think I was going to make it out. But God healed my body. I haven't had a pain in 17 years. Wow. And um, I'm just here to tell you, you can, you can come out of the dip. I know it seems hopeless. And I want to encourage you, don't settle in the dip. Sometimes we settle in the dip, you know. We just think, this is my new reality. Okay. We, we change our address, 555 Dip Street. <laughs> And this is where I'm going to live for the rest of my life. 
I'm, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to live there, but you, you, you need to know it's so important that you don't quit in the dip. Sean Nepstead here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, Nepstad, N-E-P-S-T-A-D, dot com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's former law enforcement officer Adam Davis. In our overall conversation, he shared about the importance of honoring first responders. He also brought observations about current challenges facing law enforcement. And he discussed the book he has co-authored called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. With some insight into spiritual warfare, this is Adam Davis now from that conversation. It's really based on some repetitive questions that we get from sheepdogs, sheepdogs meaning men and women who are willing to stand in the face of evil. Uh, they may or may not wear a uniform, but our, our, you know, the people that we're called to are military and first responders. And uh, a lot of folks will say, hey, um, how do we study the Bible? How do we pray? And so we felt like it was a need based on his book called On Combat, which is a book more about the uh, psychology and, and physiology of deadly conflict and war and peace, uh, to understand the essentials, sort of the basic training, the 101 uh, of, of spiritual warfare. And so this lays out the foundations of spiritual warfare, how you, how you can pray and, and how you can navigate the challenges of, of this world and understanding that if you're not armed with, with God's word and you don't have a regular prayer life and uh, you are you're going to be fighting a, a a battle without a weapon because you cannot defeat the enemy of this world with physical weapons and so uh, that's that's our inspiration is is to equip the the body and, and equip those who serve with real power and real weapons to overcome the challenges of this world. We know the enemy uh, comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and we can't defeat him with with carnal weapons. We have to be armed. Uh, and you look at you look at the armor, uh, Ephesians chapter six. You look at uh, how we're taught to pray when Jesus taught us how to pray, and we overcomplicate things. Just follow what He said. Follow what the Word says. Do what the Word says, and uh, and apply it in your daily life, and and you'll start seeing some some major changes. Adam Davis joining us today here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio, co-author of the new book called On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare. So as we look at the spiritual battles that we face, and so often as believers, there's the tendency to not think spiritually about the pressures that we face, the the fears, the anxieties that come against us, the relationship issues that we have. We don't recognize the spiritual background or the spiritual implications. So how can we develop a greater sense of, as we might say, discernment with respect to the spiritual battles that we're engaged in? First, it is to to set our minds on things above, <laughs> not on things of this world, and, and understand that everything must be seen through an eternal lens, not just a temporary lens. This life will end. It will end uh, almost as quickly as it began. It is a vapor. I don't know if you read that and throughout God's Word, and, and we know that if we focused on this world and see it as a, as a, you know, for what it is, we are deployed. We are sent here on a mission, on an assignment from heaven to be ambassadors for his kingdom, the salt and the light of this world. Uh, I think for some of us, we've lost our saltiness. 
and we have to get back to the source of our saltiness, and that is uh, in the scripture, in prayer. And prayer doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us passive. It doesn't make us, faith in him doesn't make us weak. It, it makes us unbeatable. And when we dive into his word and we live our lives based on the principles in his word, then we understand why we can be victorious. Because, yeah, the enemy wants to kill you. He wants to, he wants to destroy your, your hope. He wants to destroy your destiny. He wants to take away everything you have. But Jesus came that we could have life to the fullest. And that fullest is found in living your life based on him being your Lord, your Savior, your King, and uh, sort of directing everything you do based on the principle of his word. And, and understand that we can't, be, we can't live without him. We can't live victoriously without him. We're going to be constantly looking to fill that void when we live without him based on the principles of this world instead of the principles of his word. Uh, so keep our focus on him. Understand that everything that goes on around us is, uh, is, a, is a battle in the spiritual realm. And, and it's not weird theology. It's, uh, it's the reality of the world that we live in. Adam Davis here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, theadamdavis.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast. The podcast is linked to the Meeting House homepage. You can find it in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Full conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Look for the Faith Radio podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Continuing now with the Intersection podcast, it's Keith and Kristen Getty in a conversation following the release of the 2020 Seeing Global Conference. They shared reflections of the event, underscored the importance of family singing together, and Kristen highlighted their new album project entitled Evensong, Hymns and Lullabies at Close of Day. From that conversation portion dealing with the new album, this is Kristen Getty. Yeah, well, you know, last year, Keith said, Kristen, you're turning 40 next year. You've been singing our hymns, leading worship the last 20 years. Is there some other little creative project you'd like to do? And I'd always wanted to do a lullaby album. I became a mom 10 years ago when I was 30 with our first daughter. And Keith and I have always tried to write lullabies and always been interested in that and songs that you would sing before you go to sleep. And of course, a lot of the songs we sing with our kids are hymns. Um, and so the album is a mixture of hymns and lullabies. The word even song is an old traditional word for a traditional service long practiced in the church over hundreds of years. And that is at the end of the day, having a service of prayers, liturgy, songs, Bible readings, a short service that helps sort of redirect the heart and mind towards the Lord and to help sanctify the night. And so this is what this project was to do. It's for our girls, but 
It's very much for families, for individuals, as we come to the end of the day, which is often one of the most vulnerable moments for all of us as the darkness settles in, as things are a little more quiet, you start to process and think that into that um, little void at nighttime that we would pour in um, the promises and the things we know to always be true about the Lord, about the gospel, about the hope that we have and the comfort that we find there. And um, we hope this album, this collection of songs um, helps with that. And as you said, you know, we, we recorded it um, in, in the late spring and it was um, an interesting experience during COVID-19 to try and put the album together, but we launched it at Sing Global um, as an album, but also as a concert. We did um, eight of the songs and we recorded them in this beautiful barn um, in Tennessee. So as you, something you said, and was the was the phrase you used, Kristen, was it sanctify the night? Was that what you just yeah. said? I, I just think that's yeah. a beautiful image because of, and as you mentioned, the the vulnerability. And I know, and when our kids were young and praying with them as they they go to sleep, there's there's something you know, as you mentioned, the picture of the darkness coming. But we also recognize that God will minister to us as we sleep. And we we mm-hmm. we read in the Psalms about the sweetness of sleep. So it seems to me as you leave your kids with these songs, and we also know that God says he gives us songs in the night. So as you leave them right. with these songs, what a, a, a wonderful process of peace and even cleansing that can take place as kids— Think about God's word and as these lullabies are sung to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as it, you know, it's, it's always been a, it has been a struggle in the last decade. I think for any moms out there and dads, when you have kids in the mix, it's hard to have, you know, regular established, you know, quiet times, the silence that you would ever desire. And so one of the things I have loved in having kids and in and, and, and the family context is you can lean on each other um, in terms of devotional life and family worship. And so a lot of the times, a lot of evenings, we'll sing with our kids, we'll pray with them. And it's not just for them that we do that, it's for ourselves too. You know, it helps us gather around um, Christ's promises. It, it, it helps sort of steady our, our minds. It helps us process things at the end of the day. Kristen Getty, along with husband Keith here on The Intersection. Their website is gettymusic.com. The Sing Conference website is gettymusicworshipconference.com. Well, I had the opportunity recently to speak with the founder and president of Iran Alive Ministries, Hormoz Shariat. In our conversation, he shared an update about how God is working in the nation of Iran, bringing Muslims to Christ. And he related information about his book, Iran's Great Awakening, How God is Using a Muslim Convert to Spark Revival. From that conversation, this is Hormoz Shariat. Iranians have experienced Islam in real life, in every aspect of their lives, political, cultural, laws, everything, for 40 years. So they have come to the conclusion, the majority of Iranians, that Islam is not our answer. Actually, Islam is our problem and we need to get rid of it. By the way, you know, I've been saying the last few years, Bob, uh, in my uh, conference uh, speeches and, uh, I, and interviews, I've said, Iran is not a Muslim country anymore. And people get shocked. What mm, are you yes. talking about? I said, no, it's not an Islamic nation. And two weeks ago, an independent study came out that confirms what I'm saying in my book that Iran has turned away from Islam. In that independent scientific study, it says less than one-third of Iranians consider themselves Muslims. Can you believe that? Mm. So 
there is a work of God. As you mentioned, it, it took history, but also the last couple of years has been very rough. The economy is bad. The sanctions have made it even worse. The government has killed those who come on streets protesting economy. They're not even political. They're protesting. Where is my bread? I, I can't live like this. And the government's response was to kill them. And the shutting down of that airplane and the, uh, you know, COVID and, and the, uh, how do you say, heartlessness and cruelty of the government not caring for people has brought more and more of Iranians to a point of saying, I'm done with Islam. Now, what else is out there? Mm -hmm. So they are looking. And that's where we Christians, we need to present Jesus because they are looking everywhere. They're looking for anything but Islam, Eastern religion, atheism, all kinds of new age, very popular. All of them are very popular because people are looking. But, you know, when we present Jesus, he is the winner. There is no competition if we present Jesus. He's the most attractive option for Iranians. Absolutely. So when you have Iranians, of course, as you have Iranians that are converting to Christianity at these types of growth rates, what happens after they accept the Lord? What, do, what sort of opportunities for spiritual growth and discipleship are there? Well, that's the crisis. You know, the government of Iran has closed all the building churches. It had, um, has made it illegal, illegal for Christians to gather together. If they catch two or three Christians gather, they get five to ten years of jail just gathering. It's illegal. Mm. So uh, they are, they're in trouble. So uh, the growth, the numbers are growing, but uh, they don't have any resources. That's why media like us become their lifeline. You know, Iran will be the first Islamic na nation that comes to Christ. And we need your help. Would you pray for against the prince of Persia uh, that's mentioned in the Bible? Mm. Would you come join us, disciple that nation? That nation is ready. You know, Joel Rosenberg calls me Billy Garment Iran, and I don't consider myself that. And my response is this. Iranians are so open to the gospel. Anybody can be Billy Graham of Iran if you share the gospel. Let's mm. do it. Mm. And are the and the Iranian people, I would imagine, are also sharing the gospel with their their fellow Iranians. Right. Yeah. Good point. If this is a situation um, in Iran, unlike other Islamic nations, the persecution comes from the government and rarely from the people. So here, people are open to the gospel. They're done with Islam, and. A, a relative, a friend, comes to Christ, they, they watch it. And if they see a life change, which most often they see a dramatic life change, they say, what happened to you? And they want to know. That's how Christianity is growing. The danger is the Islamic government. For having a Bible, for distributing a Bible, for gathering with other Christians, you're in trouble. So this is a, what happens. Somebody comes to Christ, and most often... The whole family comes to Christ. Some of his friends come to Christ. And the crisis is, how do you disciple these people? We have online classes. We do not just television broadcasts. We bring them online in safe chat rooms, safe social media to train them, to teach them, and to help them start underground churches. That's how the underground churches are growing.
Hormoz Shariat here on The Intersection. The ministry website is iranalive.org. Closing out this edition of The Intersection podcast, it's Kasim Hafiz, who is featured in the documentary film Never Again. It's focused on the rise and spread of anti-Semitism and also features a Holocaust survivor. In our conversation, he shared about the concept of the film and highlights why he sees that Christians should be concerned about hatred of Jews and Israel. The film is presented by Christians United for Israel. Here now is Kasim Hafiz. The film essentially uh, intersects between uh, Irving Roth, who is a Holocaust survivor, who was in Auschwitz, and myself and our friendship, but also the intersection of anti-Semitism, how it developed, how it led to the Holocaust, or or the Holocaust was a result, and how that sort of demonization of the Jewish people has not gone away, and how I went through that process of extremism and radicalization while living in the West. And essentially, it's it's a it's a warning, but also a call for Christians and anyone essentially to recognize this evil and to speak up to it. This is a two-part question. What's the main message for Christians that might view this film? And also, what do you see as the message for the culture at large? It might be the same same message to a, a certain degree, but I would imagine that there are some some different components that would be more directed at Christians that they could take away than, say, those that are non-believers. But, but just comment on that, if you would. Message for Christians as well as message to the audiences at large. For sure. Um, so the message to Christians is we have a responsibility. As Christians, we are called to action. We are called to be the light. And we need to speak up against this evil because the cause speaking up against anti-Semitism, speaking in support of Israel, it's not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. The Bible is very clear about the blessings that the Lord has given to Israel, the covenants, and numerous verses talk about Israel. Also, from a Christian perspective, we see our brothers and sisters who are suffering. We see uh, our Jewish friends who are living with security outside their place of worship in our home country, in the United States. We have a moral responsibility to, to step up because, look, without the Jewish people, Christianity would look very different today. You know, that Jesus was Jewish. They're John wasn't a Baptist, John was also Jewish. The disciples were Jewish. So our heritage is built on Jewish heritage and and we can't pretend that isn't the case. And in Hebrews where it says we are grafted in. So it's very important from a biblical perspective that one, we acknowledge these things and we speak up, we take the lead in this. Mm. And sadly, there is so much history between the Christian and Jewish communities, which hasn't been positive, that those who have not acted in a Christ-like way have really twisted things. So we are, we're trying to create a better future. We're trying to create a better understanding and connection between the communities. Mm. But on a wider context for everybody, I think we really need to take a step back, 
all the statistics say that anti-Semitism is rising and we need to be honest and truthful about are we allowing anti-Semitism to flourish and just apathetically approaching it? Because if we are, we, we're doing something badly wrong. We need to speak up and deal with this like we would deal with any sort of hatred. And if we are engaging, tolerating, or just apathetic to it, then we need to ask some very serious questions about where we stand morally. Kasim Hafiz here on The Intersection. You can find out more about the film and its availability on home video in the future by going to neveragainthemovie.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, you can go to meetinghouseonline.info or visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you can find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast is linked to the homepage. You can find it in the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. You can also go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Content from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for the Faith Radio podcast. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.